Let's pray. Oh God, it is the child that has summoned us here, grown up, our Savior, forever and ever. Amen. We thank you. As we continue to brood over this gift, connect with our busy lives as we survive in this third millennium, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph, the husband of Mary, is the perfect foil for a stunning reality you and I need to check out and just examine together. I say the perfect simply because whenever Joseph shows up, no kidding, whenever he shows up in the Gospels anywhere, he never says a word, ever, ever, ever. Not a peep from him. Now, his fiancée turned uh, to wife. She, she speaks uh, often. You wonder, was it that way in their home? We don't know. But every time Joseph appears in the gospel narrative, somebody else is doing the talking. Every time he appears in Matthew's Christmas story, an angel does the talking. Go figure. I want to show you that because there's something embedded in this. I want you to see it. Open your Bible to the gospel of Matthew, the familiar Christmas story. Only told in Matthew and Luke, nothing in Mark, nothing in John. Just these two record what we have been reliving these these moments together in worship. So drop down to verse 18. This is Matthew chapter 1. I'm in the New International Version. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said to the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The inexplicable mystery is presented matter-of-fact in the Holy Scripture. Take it or leave it. This is how it happened. That's Angel and Joseph scene one. Let's go to Angel and Joseph scene two in this short little narrative. Before we get to Angel and Joseph scene two, we need to just pick up here verse one and two of chapter two. And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, oh, little town of Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, we just talked about that Latin word, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star, Stella. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Desire of Ages pulls the veil aside and at least for this faith community grants us a peak that we never would have guessed on our own. And that is that this, this star is not a planet. It's not a sun. It's not a star with stars or suns. It's none of the above. It's a, and I quote, a distant company of shining angels. I tell you what, if you go out walking and you have been walking and running this fall, the, the mornings have been absolutely spectacular. I've never seen the skies clearer in the dark. And as I've gone walking one day, two days in a row, in the very same spot, I looked up into the heavens. Just a white little dot circumnavigating the earth, 
24 hours later, pss, there it is again. It's a satellite. Whatever this distant company of angels looked like, it was called a stella. It was called a star in, in Latin. But it was moving, clearly moving. You can look at stars and, yeah, there's a little movement. But no, this, this was just like a, like a satellite. The portent, the mystery. These kings from the east, we follow the star. This must be he. So now, here comes the... So, so the wise men go to Herod. We know the story about wily Herod. Yo, come back. Let me know, please. I want to go worshiping myself. The wise men then follow the star in verse 10 because they're so overjoyed they see it again. And they go and present their gifts. And then they're warned in a dream. No, 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 no. Don't go back to that king. Mm -mm, go home another way. Now, here comes Angel and Joseph, scene number two. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord, no doubt the same one, appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. They're gone. Herod rides into town days later. Every baby under the age of two slaughtered. Missed. Angel and Joseph, scene number three, drop down to verse 19. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he said, get up, take the child and his mother. You can go back to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. And then comes angel and Joseph, scene number four, verse 21. And so he got up, took the child and his mother. They went back to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, oh, man, Joseph is afraid to go there. Angel number four, scene number four. And having been warned in a dream, obviously the same angel, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a little town called Nazareth, so it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. There they are, four fascinating angel appearances, and the angels do all the talking. All the talking. Joseph never says a word. Just radical obedience he obeys every single time. But if you consider the shining star angels, and if you presume that the four appearances that were by angel to Joseph are a template for the appearance of it in a dream to the magi, probably an angel as well, could be the same angel the whole time, you have, ladies and gentlemen, count them, six, six, six appearances of angels in this story. And if you go to the Christmas story in Luke, guess what? Angels are everywhere. They're, they're everywhere, the whole Bible. But in the Christmas story in particular, I need you to see this because you see where it's going. Angel number one in Luke. We've already been to Luke in this Advent season, so let's not go back. Angel number one shows up to the father-in-law-to-be of young John the Baptist. And the angel says, my name is Gabriel. So we know it's Gabriel. That same angel shows up to the young virgin teenager Mary. And we know because Luke says he was Gabriel. Every time Gabriel shows up, he says, don't be afraid. Angel number three and angel number four all happen at one time. So let's go to Luke. We'll just finish out the Christmas story right here, Luke chapter 2. So turn, find Luke 2 in your Bible, and let's pick it up in verse 7. Every time Gabriel shows up, he says, don't be afraid. And did you notice that when he showed up with Joseph, he said, don't be afraid? I think we could safely conclude that the angel that showed up to the fiancé would also show up to the other half of the fiancé. Same angel Gabriel. No doubt. So we have, a, we have the angel showing up twice, but now here comes three and four times. Luke chapter 2, drop down to verse 7, and she gave birth, Mary did, to her firstborn a son, and she wrapped him in cloths, 
mother and daughter, Joanne and Jessica, just read this a moment ago, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields near, nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, probably October, because that would be the time they'd be in the fields. Winter, they're just a little, they wouldn't be out there. So probably October. And the angel, here it comes, and the angel of, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them what he's been saying all through this chapter, don't be afraid, must be the same one. Does it at the resurrection too, don't be afraid. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news, good news that will cause great joy for the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, and suddenly as if they could no longer be held in check. Here comes the fourth appearance of angels in Luke. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, and the Greek word is army, the heavenly army sings. They appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. One more time, we, we pull the veil aside and desire of ages. And we are told that these shepherds gaze upon, and I'm quoting now, they gaze upon witnesses to the brightest picture ever beheld by human eyes. I don't know how they did this. I had, to, I had to get an eye exam this week. You ever go into to get an eye exam, all you four-eyed people? And you go to that doc, you go to your, you go to the doctor, and what does he do? He puts a little drops in, and what's he going to do? He's going to dilate. You have no iris now, no colored eyes, just big dark circles. And they tell you when you leave. Oh, by the way, it's going to take a while this wear off. We got these ugly glasses that you may wear. Well, hopefully, you brought your own. Yeah, you never wear the ugly ones. You don't want to be seen with those ugly ones. I can't imagine these shepherds. The brightest, the brightest scene ever witnessed by human eyes. Was it like this? Was it like this? No sunglasses. Four appearances of angels. By the way, they're everywhere. Not just in the Christmas story. They're everywhere. They're everywhere in the Bible. You want to see what angels do, by the way? You want to know what angels do for a living? You're going to look at this job description here, and you're going to say, man, I'm glad that's not my job description. Let me run, let me run this by you. This is the Old Testament. Take a look at Psalm 104. Hosea in his prayer was quoting from Psalm 103. Look at uh, Psalm 104. You, here's a job description for an angel. Now, this is going to surprise you. You're going to say, I don't see any angels. If you're in the NIV, you're saying, what? Are you serious? In this verse? Take a look. Psalm 104 on the screen for you. Verse 4. He, God, makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Now, what do we have here? We have winds. We have messengers. We have flames of fire. We have his servants. Who are they? They're angels. Because the Hebrew can also be translated an alternate way. In fact, the New King James translates it the alternate way. And when the writer of Hebrews comes along and says, I need that verse, he will translate it the alternate way, which is the Greek way. And so just look at Hebrews chapter 1. You don't have to take my word for it. The very verse you just read looks like this in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 1, drop down to verse 7. Look at this. Verse 7, and speaking of the angels, God says. Now, this is the identical verse. He makes his angels spirits. It said he makes his messengers winds. But the Hebrew can be translated just like Greek. Either way, breath, wind, spirit, same. Messenger, angel, same. He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. Now, drop down to verse 14 because here's the job description now. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There it is. That, that's the job description of an angel. He is a spirit. 
he or she, I don't know, they're, they're genderless. I couldn't tell you who they are. But they're spirits. They take a corporeal body on when it's essential for them. And they show up and they eat and they touch you and they are a body. But they're spirits. The body's just a front in order to communicate with you and me. Well, not encumbered by a body. One single assignment. The angel has one sent to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Those who are going to inherit salvation. Stay with them. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, rookie angel, because we need more. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is this. You will stay with this child from the moment she breathes. You will stay with her every day and night, 24-7, until the earthling dies or Christ returns, whichever comes first. You will stay with them. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. And yet Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 18, their angels, speaking of children, their angels always behold the face of the Father. So something's going on here in the spirit world that you and I don't understand. We're talking about beings that are a lot bigger and mightier than you and I will ever be. I oh, say, oh, I, wish, oh, I wish I could see an angel like they did. I wish I could just see an angel show up somewhere. Guess what? Maybe you have. Maybe you are, because uh, Hebrews chapter 13, the same book says, hey, listen, don't forget to entertain strangers because some of them have entertained angels unawares. Take a look to the person to your right right now. Look at the person on your left. Nap, nap. These two can't be angels. I understand. But you can't see who's sitting behind you. You don't know who's sitting behind you. There could be an angel in this audience right now. There are many angels filling the space right now. Of course, your angel and my angel are here. They've been singing with us. They took that music and sent it heavenward. Angels. Desire of Ages on the screen for you. By the way, there's a collection of these quotations stuck in your worship bone. You can go home with it. Heaven and earth, reading now. Heaven and earth are no wider apart today than when angels listen, that, than when shepherds rather listen to the angel song. Humanity is still as much the object of heaven's solicitude as when common men and women of common occupations long ago met angels at noonday and they talked with the heavenly messengers in the vineyards and in the fields. Now to us, third millennium, to us in the common walks of life, that would be you and me, heaven may be very near. Angels from the courts above will attend the steps of those who come and go at God's command. Angels. They have one solitary mission. Seek and save every possible earth child that you can until I come. Do you understand? Yes, your majesty. 24-7. Bring them home to me. But hey, listen, listen. What is so stunning about this, and here comes the profound part, is what the Christmas story actually reveals. Namely, have you ever noticed, I didn't until just these last few days, have you ever noticed that there are two beings that keep showing up together in the Christmas story all the way through? Let me just show you. Let's do a little bit of st statistics, all right? Let's put it on the screen. Angels. You see Matthew up there? Six times angels appear. If we, if we grant the, the, the distant company and showing up to the Magi twice, okay? Six times. Luke. Angels. We just looked at them four times. But there's somebody else who keeps showing up in this story with them. In the book of Matthew, put up the Holy Spirit two times. In the book of Matthew, the Christmas story only. 
in the book of Luke, which we went through a few Sabbaths ago, eight times. Add the two columns, please. Ten times in both columns. Ten times. These two beings, these celestial individuals appear together a total of 20 times, which may not be so surprising when we just noted that angels are called spirits, and he's called the Holy Spirit, which is not so surprising when we saw that angels are called winds, and Jesus said to John, the spirit like a wind. And Jesus says to the woman at the well, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It's not a surprise. We should not be surprised that there is a very intimate partnership, a very intimate camaraderie between angels and the Holy Spirit. They do what they do together. Surprise! Douglas Cooper in his book, The Gentle Dove, The Holy Spirit, God's Greatest Gift, subtitle, lists 43 characteristics that describe one who lives his life, who lives her life in the Spirit. Beautiful, 43 of these. Here comes number 15. I shared number 10 a few days ago with you, but here's number 15. On the screen, please. So, if you live a life in the Spirit, the providence and protection and guidance of angels will become more evident in your life. Hold on, keep reading. And he quotes Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for them who will be the heirs of salvation? In other words, you and me. In, now, hold on. This is, this is creative now. In a very real sense, angels are the modems through which we connect with the realms of the Spirit. Hit the pause button right there. Do you know what a modem is? We all have them, but do you know what a modem does? A modem takes digital information, encodes it, and decodes it from source to recipient so that everybody's talking the same language, and you get the signals. Cooper is suggesting that angels are the modems of the kingdom of heaven by which we connect with the realms of the Spirit. Keep reading. They are not the light. Jesus is the light. But they are the light bearers. They are our personal bond to the heavenly realms, to the, to the deeper, most progressive truths and insights and spiritual experiences for us today. They are our connect to the eternal reality which we cannot see. A sign to you, a sign to me. Shh, one right here beside me right now. His mission, stay with that boy. Save him. I want him home. You have one. That's why this place is filled, if we could see them. wonder what they're saying right now about you, about me. Hmm. It's a provocative thought, is it not? I had a professor here in the seminary, a great teacher named Ryle Dederen, who made the startling suggestion in class when I was a little MDiv student, and I have pondered it ever since, and that is, it is through the angels that the Holy Spirit exercises His omnipresent ministry. He's the great mainframe. They didn't have that language back then. He's the great mastermind, and he's in connection with every spirit being. And by the way, the good news is, whether good or bad, nobody steals a march on you, but that God is not watching very... That's as far as you go. Stop. I got my eye on you, boy. Hmm. Wow, supernaturally, intimately. Look, I, we just crossed the line uh, for our mortal minds into mystery. We, we cannot understand this. I understand that. But here's the point. This much is clear from the Christmas story. All of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, all of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and billions of angels, all of heaven is on your side right now. Right now. All of heaven.
If you need every angel in heaven, you'll get every angel in heaven. If they have to leave the rest of us to get to you, they'll leave the rest of us to get to you. All of heaven is on your side. You can take that to the bank. Cash it. All of heaven. Twenty times. Ten. They're there together. Ten each. The Christmas story. And trust me, you and I are going to need all of heaven on our side because C.S. Lewis is absolutely right. We are in a war, a most desperate war, and that's why the Christmas story happened in the first place. Let me put that classic book of his, uh, Mere Christianity, on the screen for you, some lines from it. C.S. Lewis, Lewis, this universe is at war, a civil war, a rebellion, and we are living in a part of the universe occupied by the rebel, rebel, enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is a story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise. You might say behind enemy lines. He has landed and is calling all of us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage, end quote. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So come to me. Learn from me. Follow me. Go for me. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Sabotage. You belong to me. Remember whose side you're on. I'm with you. Do you see him? No, you don't. He's with you. Desire of Ages is making this point powerfully. Last quotation on the screen. The Savior shows His followers the conflicts they must meet. He reveals the character and the plan of the battle. This, this is what's going to happen. Shh. Do what I tell you. Trust me. He reveals to His followers the character and the battle of the plan. They, I'm going to change it to we. We are to contend with supernatural forces, evil and dark, but we are assured of supernatural help. Help. All the intelligences of heaven are in this army and more than just the angels are in the ranks. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host, that would be Christ Jesus Himself. He's the captain. The representative of the captain of the Lord's host comes down in the ranks, comes down to direct the battle. In the, in the military lingo of generals, he puts boots on the ground where the action is to represent the commander of the Lord's host. Captain. I'm here for the captain. You don't see me, but I see you and I'm watching you. And I'm with you. He is with you. They are with you. All heaven is on your side. Never be afraid. I don't know what you're going through today. I'm just two days before Christmas, and I'm looking at the live stream lens right now. I don't know what you're going through. Wherever on this planet you are right now, it matters not to me what you're going through, but I tell you what, it ma- what matters. What matters is all of heaven is on your side. All of heaven. All the intelligences. All of heaven. Oh, we forgot to finish this. The Holy Spirit, the representative of the captain of the Lord's host, comes down to direct the battle. Oh, I love this ending. Our infirmities may be many. Oh, God, our weaknesses, my weaknesses this year are many. God says, you don't have to remind me, Dwight. Our infirmities may be many. Our sins and mistakes this year have been grievous. But the grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition. 
I wipe it clean. Oh, boy, don't, don't miss next Sabbath. One service again, but don't miss the good news we end the year with next Sabbath. Grace of God is for all who seek it with contrition. The power of omnipotence is enlisted in behalf of those who trust in God. I will put my trust in Him. You may trust me. Shh. I am with you. And I will be with you till you die or till I come, whichever comes first. Stay with me. Stay with me. That's it. God so loved the world that He gave us His only Son. That's it. God has given everything He has. And now, secret campaign of... A subterfuge. Sabotage. Ask me every morning for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I will give you that Holy Spirit every day. You ask me every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I will give you the Holy Spirit every day. You ask me every day for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I will give, it, give him to you every day and he will be with you. And the two of them together have you. They have your back. They have your front, they have your heart, they have your mind. Wow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the good news this Christmas. What do you say? It's great news. It's great news. So, is there room in your inn? Let him in. He said, I need to come in every day. Ask me for that baptism every day. Is there room in your inn? Give me that room, please. I need that room. Karen now is going to sing the appeal. Do you have room for the Savior? And do you seek Him anew? Have you a place for the one who lived and died for you? Are you as humble as a shepherd boy or as wise as men of old? Would you have come that night and would you have sought the light? Do you have room?